Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids. As I, I listened to both guys yesterday, Brian and Kevin, I, I thought like this could be a way for Kevin to, to have that type of vibe again. Week four, Harrison Smith randomly, and I hadn't talked to him much, came up to me and he's like, are you enjoying it? Like, have you had fun? Have you enjoyed covering the NFL, covering this team? And I was like, hell yeah, this has been amazing. <laughs> Welcome to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm Tatum Everett here inside TCO Radio Studios with Jay Nelson, our producer Eric Davidson. Gabe Henderson's enjoying some much-deserved time off right now. But someone who hit the ground running after enjoying some time off himself is our guest to the podcast today, the Athletics' Alec Lewis, who is back from sunny and warm Alabama, which I personally am very jealous about. It was crazy. First, thanks for having me. But yeah, it was, I mean, I was walking outside. My mom's like, go outside, enjoy, (laughs) enjoy the sun. You're here. I was like, yeah, it's a good, thanks, mom. Uh, That's a good point. But no, it was was fun. Um, I told you this before we started recording, but it's like the season, and it was my first season covering the NFL, such a blur, a hundred miles an hour. And then obviously it stopped so abruptly. And then you're, I mean, you're around these people every day and then you're just not. So it was a... It's been an uh, it, it was nice to get away and to kind of get back in here uh, recently for Brian Flores hiring. Yeah, that's always the crazy realization um, is when the season does come to the end. You know, it's always you're running trying to figure out what's going to happen the next day, the next week, all the planning, and then there's always that thud of whenever the season is done, there's that thud, and then you you quickly go into all right, what do we have to get done, and then it turns into all right, what do we have to deal with after the fact, and what do we do. And I think it's always interesting just year after year when you start to finally get into that routine and figure that kind of stuff out. Um, it is kind of the reality of what the end of the season's like. But, yeah, it, it is weird to be going 100 miles an hour and then just have to completely stop. There's no doubt. I was planning stories for the next week. And it, it's the playoffs, too, at that point. And so everything you write, not that it's like a coach. Every game means the same. Like, you want to <laughs> say that. But, like, you you know in the yeah. playoffs that there are a lot of eyes on the team and on, on the stories in my job that you do. So I was really focused on what I could execute that I think people would would have found really interesting. And the good thing is I'll file some of that stuff away and get to use it in the future. But sure. yeah, it was true. it was it was an awesome I mean for me it's pretty obvious to say if you watch if you're listening to this, you watch the season. But for it to be my first season and for it to play out the way it did, just an absolute blast all around. Again, that's the Athletics Alec Lewis and you can find his work on theathletic.com. You said first season covering the NFL and you came in here, you just told us in August, which we had already been through this huge transition, right? Like you haven't really seen the Vikings without Kwesi Adofa Mensa or Kevin O'Connell. When you came in here and what you saw did you have a feeling that maybe this team like is trying to catch lightning in a bottle, per se? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Probably a month before I got here in late August, it, it, it really was a couple weeks before the first game. I mean, I had known this was going to be a job that I would be taking. So I read and listened to probably way too much, <laughs> if I'm yeah. speaking, being honest. I mean, I watched a ton of videos on like Vikings YouTube page, really, on – draft behind the scenes nice. how the mannerisms of these people like I, I was really locked in 
And I could tell, I think, just from viewing that, the the energy from Kevin and Quasey and the culture that mattered to them in terms of the way they treated people and kind of the tone that they set. And so when I got here and then I'm listening to those guys, I mean, I Kevin, because he talked almost every day, which <laughs> we're fortunate uh, uh, for him that he did that. But I mean, Kevin, he just seemed really on it and and really just strategic and maybe not strategic, but but very um, focus in everything he did. I it's mean, intentional. I, I, yeah, intentional is a, is a perfect mm-hmm. word, and that's yeah. that's great. It's my job sometimes to come up with those. Um, <laughs> sometimes no, I no, do no. better. But, so, but sometimes when you're grasping at like how to say it, because he does, he's he's long winded, but he's very he knows what he's saying exactly, yeah. and he knows what he's not saying. Yes, and so um, <laughs> I think early on, just being here. I mean, I've been around. Uh, I mean, I've I've covered sports. I guess now. Really, if you include high school, it's not that long, but it's like 10 years or whatever. So I've been around a a bunch of different coaches that have handled things a lot of different ways. And I just I could tell with the way with with as intentional as Kevin was, that things could could really become special if they go the right way. And in this sport, several things went the right way. (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I think the thing uh, with Kevin, you know, when he came in there, I guess I look at it twofold for him. One, he's got the coach hat on, but also he's the former player. So like he kind of understands, especially media-wise, pitfalls and everything. But I think the bigger issue is you realize when he was going through the vetting process and the interview process and what they were looking for here internally as kind of new leadership and with him being younger and able to connect with the guys, there was a, a sense of, yeah, there's kind of new, fresh ideas and, and new blood coming in here. But at the same point, he had a purpose, you know, he had ideas of what he wanted to do. And I think for him, so much of it was coming off of the Super Bowl high and then having to literally the next day walk in the building and just start implementing as fast as possible and just kind of, you know, figure it out as you go. I just feel like both Kevin and Quasey, the way that they handled themselves last offseason was so much of we're showing you what our blueprint's going to be. We're going to lay that foundation and we're going to follow through on what we think. And so that was the thing that, you know, for me having been here for a bit was so impressive was to see how they both handled that last offseason. Yeah. And I think the thing for me, too, is like stepping into this locker room. You're also trying to figure out like what what is the locker room like? What are the types of guys in this building already? And that was another thing that struck me pretty early on is a lot of really good, passionate, caring people that had been brought in this building. I mean, I, I I could rattle off probably 20 names, but I'm thinking of guys like Jordan Hicks, um, thinking of guys like Eric Kendricks, obviously. I'm thinking of guys like Harrison Smith. Um, just a lot of experience of being around different types of people, but also guys who are really ready, I think, who are really ready to to win and to be at the stage that, that, that they've wanted to be around here for a long time. So just as much as I was kind of analyzing Kevin and Quasey from afar, I think I was, I was um, really trying to be in tune with the types of people in the locker room, and I was just struck pretty early on that, like, this is a really good group of guys. I mean, I, I remember, and I don't really know if I need to say this or should, but I remember, like, Week four, Harrison Smith randomly, and I hadn't talked to him much, came up to me and he's like, are you enjoying it? Like, have you had fun? Have you enjoyed being um, covering the NFL, covering this team? And I was like, hell yeah, this has been amazing. <laughs> um, but for him to do that, like had no reason for him to do that. And I just admit something to me beyond just that. I mean, I, yeah, I, I just think cool. it said a lot about a guy like him. But I felt that from a lot of um, 
the guys in the locker room. So as much yeah. as Kevin and Quazy, I do think set such a tone. I think the fact that you had the guys that you did in that locker room paired pretty nicely. That's a cool story. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I, I think, you know, having those kind of veterans, that's the reason why those guys are still sticking around and why a guy like Harrison's been around as long as he has, why he's been seen as a leader. And um, that's just a cool story, I think, that kind of shows his character and kind of who he is behind the scenes. No, I think for sure. <laughs> I've heard yeah. some stuff about him and the way he's treated certain people um, in his background that hopefully we'll see the light of day in story form at some point. Sure. Well, with all the positives, I feel like we're really hyping it up, which we appreciate here on MVP, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, however, today, I believe it was, yes, today is the 16th. While we record, the NFL power rankings on theathletic.com dropped. And, on you know, Bo Wolf does not share the same optimism <laughs> as maybe we kind of feel here within the building about this team. Now, I know that this particular group of guys, they don't mind being counted out. They don't mind that they're not top five in a power ranking this early out in the season. But it is of note that the Vikings um, 15th. On that list. Is this a, re- I mean, I should probably know. I write for the athletic. <laughs> it's no worry. No worry. Is it's this a article. recap of the season in terms of oh, his power rankings? Or is it a looking forward? Hmm. NFL power rankings post Super Bowl. Okay. So it's kind of like a recap. Looking ahead, not behind, factoring in general strength of rosters, coaching staffs, along with cap space and draft coffers. Okay. I don't know if I've ever heard the word coffer before. C O F F E R. Yeah, it's your it's your money bank, like what you have Got available. It. I don't think I've ever called my bank account a coffer. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't look the same, that's for sure. <laughs> he said 15th for 15th. the Vikings. 15th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got 15th. We got Chiefs on the top, Bengals second, Eagles third, Bills fourth, Jaguars fifth. Interesting. Interesting. And we're uh, the Vikings are not the highest ranked NFC North team. The Lions are at number eight. Hmm. So take that. NFC North 2022 champions. Think about going into the season that at the end of the season, everyone would be thinking that Detroit was the top in the division at this point. They are a dark horse. They are very much. They're not not that dark. But that's the thing is is they are a a young team that at least at the end of the season really made a run there for the the last half and went, went nuts and just feels like Dan Campbell's got them all, you know, driving in the same direction. With, with they always the, seem to beat the Vikings at least once a year. They are, they have been our nemesis for the last yeah. probably three, four years. There's always some game. It doesn't matter whether it's home or away that the Lions have always kind of, you know, they've been giving us a, a hard time. Uh, they're not the doormat that they used to be. That You know, they're not wearing uh, garbage bags or uh, uh, brown paper bags <laughs> over their heads anymore. As fans, those guys, you know, this year was different. I remember um, – Ben Lieber making a comment about how this is the loudest he had heard Ford Field was the season against us. And there's just a different energy. I know, um, you know, we had talked to uh, Zach Martina, who was friends with Cy Amundsen on the tailgate. And Zach was saying, you know, even the Viking game when it came in, he's like, Dan Campbell's treating us like the Super Bowl. He's yeah. like, he's just hyping it up to that level. And and I think for fans there, they've been starved for so many years for a winning team or something to cheer for that it makes sense that, you know, with all the young talent and Dan getting them to all buy in, that um, they would be high, you know, going into the offseason. I'll say this, too. I think um, at the Pro Bowl, I can't remember who Justin Jefferson said it to. I would cite him for sure. But I think he was asked, might have been with Mike Florio, like the receiver that he thought is like up and coming, maybe doesn't get enough like high end pub. And he referenced Amara St. Brown, who, yeah. I mean, we saw all year was just phenomenal with the Lions. But I, I will, I mean, the power ranking. At 15th, it's it's interesting. And I I mean, I think a lot of that, you mentioned cap space. So I think that, and draft capital, I think that's definitely a part of it. Sure. I mean, the Vikings, 
obviously have some work to do to get above the <laughs> to get in the black from a cap perspective. And I, I know probably in the rooms adjacent to us, that's probably being worked on at the moment. Um, and then I think from a draft perspective, they have four picks, potentially five. And as Quasi Adolfo Mensa said in his postseason press conference, there's always ways to get creative and add more picks. So that could definitely happen. And then I think just given what happened with the defense for most of the season, I mean, that's that's also why you find yourselves probably at that ranking. It was, it, I don't know, I've thought back about it a lot, probably too much again in terms of what's healthy for me on the outside to think <laughs> Take of. a break, but have an off season. I, it's, it's not really my nature. The people, <laughs> people who know me know, like I, I was um, – quick aside I, my, I was talking to one of my cousins back at home and she's like have you taken time off and I'm like yeah I'm here I'm with my fit she's like have you taken time off and I was like ah, they hired Brian for it um but but I, I I mean I've watched I've gone back and watched a ton of the film just of most of the season I've looked at as many number I feel like an accountant probably going through as many <laughs> numbers as I have and I, I just it's such a fascinating the defense and and the issues on defense are so fascinating in that there's so much that plays a role in it. It's so hard to separate was it the was it the players, was it a certain layer of the defense, was it all on the coat? I mean, we could do this for and I'm sure again, the those who who make decisions <laughs> for this team have, but I think that's one of the fascinating things I've found about football is like there's so much and that I as a fan, you watch it, but when you're really like looking at it, there's so there's so many pieces that have to work together for it to work the right way. That when it doesn't go right, and you're trying to separate the pieces, it's so difficult to do accurately and and honestly. So, um, yeah, there's my soliloquy on. Yeah, I mean, and and if you want to know more about Alex's opinion <laughs> on the draft, it is up on the website. You're, you really are working extremely hard this offseason to put out some some great stuff. I mean, this is we're talking draft, and it's like. Not even combine yet. Yeah, my editor came at me Monday. Not came at me. Uh, so, I mean, it was it wasn't that aggressive, but it was like, hey, we want we want uh, a big board of players that the Vikings could draft every pick. I mean, whole, I'm like, oh my god, I haven't even seen these guys at the combine. Like, I don't, yeah. I, I've, I've I've never covered a draft before. Like, okay, but I was at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. Anybody catch your eye? Yeah, there were a bunch of players down there. Maybe the guy that I enjoyed watching the most, who's not like a gigantic name, and I don't, I like, it might not matter to many people. I don't know, but a guy, Darius Rush, played at South Carolina, was like extreme, as a cornerback, extremely fast, looked really good. He wasn't like highly ranked going into it. It was just a guy that I walked out of there. I was like, yeah, I kind of like that guy for some reason. But yeah, I mean, the, in terms of doing stuff this offseason, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't I, – I, I love what I do. Like, I really, really do. And so it makes it to where when I am putting out certain stories, um, it's, it's just, it's just what it, how it is. But I, I do love the stuff like the Brian Flores press conference and hearing him talk a lot about family and he talked about his wife. Um, I, I'm, I'm fascinated always by like the, the people background story stuff. I mean, that's when I, when I really think about why I do this, that's, that's really it. So as much as I can do that this off season, I'm going to yeah. try to. That's always the, the side to it or coaching that blows my mind. And I, I saw that back in college, um, with some of my coaches that I had back then and just understanding like so much of it for them is kind of a Spartan life and that, you know, you, you're here for a certain amount of time and then eventually you're, you're picking up and moving on to another opportunity um, good and bad um, at different times. But, you know, Flores, hearing him talk about that, talking about uh, the kids, you know, being big JJ fans and and the fact that his daughter's first steps were at U.S. Bank Stadium for the Super Bowl. 
Um, just seems like there's a lot of ties there, and it was really interesting to hear Brian's take on why Minnesota was attractive for him. I know he got peppered with all the other <laughs> coaching questions and all that kind of stuff, but when it was kind of the background stuff that he led with, there was some some really interesting nuggets there. There was really only like one, well, they maybe asked, two, like real coaching scheme questions. It was mainly, it felt more like culture, fit, um, and kind of like you had all this other stuff going for you, why this place kind of feel. Um, and also I think it's important to point out that it was their first chance that the media got a chance to talk to Kevin O'Connell since the firing of Ed Donatel and the hiring, obviously, of Brian Flores because he issued a statement. But you had probably 25 questions for him, like <laughs> yeah. waiting to go. And so I felt like sometimes in those in that moment, it was probably like a nice half and half presser because it was the first time you could talk to coach. No, it's a great – I mean, that, and that was really like my ultimate takeaway from the press conference. Yes, Brian said a lot that I – We'll continue to dive into a little deeper um, as the weeks progress. But I was really, I mean, struck by Kevin. <laughs> the way he said the word, he's like, I went through a very thorough evaluation <laughs> myself. And it, like you, I was like italics, underline, whatever you want. Because <laughs> that's the way he said it. And, you, and Kevin is a guy, I mean, just from being around him for one season, you could tell like growth means a lot to him and evaluating himself and analyzing himself means a lot to him. It doesn't mean he's always going to make the right decision. He's even said after games this season, like we, we could have done this. I should have done this. I mean, he was very open and honest about that. And I think in a business that is so predicated on the result every week, like you got to kind of, I at least step back and I'm like, this is this guy's first time in this specific job. Everybody who enters a new job, there's a lot you have to adapt to. And, and while, yes, there's a lot that rides on it, like I just think that's important to think about. it. So to hear Kevin talk about his own evaluation on the defense and, and what he wanted, I, I, that was really what struck me maybe more than anything else yesterday is just how much – what mattered to him and, and, and how much evaluating himself and the decisions he had made mattered to him. I think as a fan, though, too, that's got to be encouraging as well just to feel like – you're not uh, okay with the status quo. You're 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 not complacent. You're you're trying to really figure out what worked, what didn't. I know that you know so much has been made about the one score games and kind of the it's not supposed to go like that, or at least law of averages says it's not going to be that way. But it does feel like you know Kevin again to use the word intentional was very intentional about all of their off season plans and everything to try to evaluate and figure out what they can do to fix it because. You got 13 wins this past season. I think people felt like that wasn't necessarily, you know, what was predicted on the front end. But at the same point, next year's schedule gets so difficult. And I think even looking at that power rankings, there's got to be a, a chunk of it there as well, just to realize, you know, the final four teams that were in the conference championships are all in your schedule next year. So there's going to be a lot of things that Kevin and the crew and now Brian coming in have to really evaluate to figure out how do we right the ship and fix this in order to, you know, have another successful season next year. Yeah, and I thought one of the interesting things that Kevin did say was Brian joins Quasi and I in putting together, I think his words were, a personnel plan for the future. And I, I, I thought of that. I mean, Brian Flores, before he was a coach, beginning in 2008, he was a scout. And that was his entry into the NFL. He worked. He got hired by Scott Pioli in New England. He worked really close with Scott, like moving the magnets around in Scott's office late at night. And that was really his entries to think about things from a personnel and, and roster-wide perspective. And so to add a guy like that who has done that in New England, who did that in Miami, building that roster, which you can go through that defense and the talent they have, 
um, to, to Kwesi and this scouting staff and, and Kevin and what they're looking for, I think gives this team the probably the best chance of, of finding the type of talent that fits Brian Flores' system and, and the defensive system to, to, to infuse, I think, the defense with more. And, and I think that was, that was one thing that really struck me is Kevin's inclusion, and I think it, he, did, he does says this, these things for a reason, of Brian in terms of thinking about the personnel plan um, for the future of this team. Yeah, you have to think about where Flores came from in New England, where you just get the most out of guys. You don't necessarily need that big flashy name. Maybe one, you know, lockdown man corner that's going to scream like in free agency. But then again, you could plug in a guy that you just think has promise, and you coach him up, and you level that playing field. And I think that that again, the personnel thing is such a great point because he has this background that. It felt funny to me listening to him because I could have closed my eyes and like heard it in Kevin O'Connell's voice and it would have been the same stuff. So whether they planned that or not. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it, it's it seems to be a good fit. And you have to think of it in a way like like they know that they're in trouble with cap space right now. So maybe Brian Flores isn't going to get big names. And so he's the guy to do that with these who they can get. So I don't know. It's I'm personally very excited. One of the things for me that's interesting, though, is to think about Brian Flores' connections all over the NFL at this point. You know, people that are in Miami still or that are free agents coming off of a Miami contract. Even Pittsburgh, there's a couple of linebackers and, and uh, secondary guys that are available at this point that I'm curious to see if, if you know, one, if the financials work out, but two, if a guy like Brian Flores is going to be kind of a magnet to pull some of these other guys because he's seen players not only um, – all the coaches see from all the different teams and everything and scouts and evaluators, but a guy like Brian has firsthand knowledge on some of these different teams of some pretty good defenses that uh, he's been around over the last couple of years. So I'm curious to see if any moves get made that way too. Yeah, I, I it's funny. I've talked to a couple guys who have played for him, um, and this will probably be a story at some point here shortly, but um, you can hear it when you talk to some of those guys, like how much he asked of them, but how much I think these guys look back and are fortunate that they were around a guy like him. like like both both players that I spoke to were very much like at first when I entered the NFL and I'm play, and and I'm being asked a lot of like I didn't really you didn't really understand it I look back and I'm like I would never have had the ten year career that I had if it weren't for a guy like Brian Flores around me every day it's pretty interesting I mean I also think um, and I've talked to our Rams writer Jordan Rodriguez she does an incredible job at the athletic and has for she's also been for, on the podcast before has she yeah she, she's she's <laughs> she was around Kevin um, yes. mm-hmm. and Wes and a bunch of those guys and I we were um, talking a couple weeks ago about who the Vikings would hire defensively just just like I, I, I as much as I can learn from people who have been around it's, it's just I love doing it and Jordan was talking about in 2020, when Sean McVay hired Brandon Staley to be his defensive coordinator, um, and Kevin was the OC at the time, that offense in LA and that defensive staff, McVay, Kevin, and then Brandon Staley and his staff fed so much off each other and helped each other so much throughout the course of that training camp and into that season that it helped their offense and it helped their defense. And as I, I listened to both guys yesterday, Brian and Kevin, I, I thought – like this could be a way for Kevin to to have that type of vibe again of like this guy's going to really help my offense and I think Brian feels the same way about Kevin really helping what he's capable of defensively and that push pull I'm sure we'll see on a week to week basis in training camp but I I just think 
there has to be something with Kevin of like wanting to recreate that feeling of like we're going at each other and learning from each other every day. And so I think thinking forward to training camp and what we see on the field, that's that's something that I think I'm really looking forward to. I am a big reader of body language. I really like to see the physical cues when that kind of stuff happens. And I don't know if I've ever seen Kevin that excited. Like he just had this like smile on his face that like you have seen before, but you could genuinely tell he was like, I'm about to make this announcement and this is going to be such a home run and I can't wait to get going. And like, this is a great move for us. And this is, I, I believe in this so much. And, and I, I love seeing that just like in his face. He couldn't hide it at all. If he was trying to, I don't think he was. It but. was funny. Like, I think Brian, I led with this just because I, I don't, I don't know why you could just see it, but Brian like patted Kevin on the shoulder and he was like, thanks, Kevin. That's the nicest stuff you've said about me. <laughs> Kevin was like, you got it. And it was just, it was like the back and forth that they probably have up there in the, yeah. in the offices all the time, but it was, it was good to see. And I, I, I mean, I do think like I've said a couple of times, like it's, this thing is so serious. There's so much that does ride on the line in this business um that anytime you see guy i mean just like the human side of it, Love it. Mm-hmm. i think you gotta like appreciate it or at least i do so i don't i don't need a speaker i i just appreciate it for sure the other thing too is flores has you know all of the different experiences going from basically kind of the low level to the high level all the way to the head coach and making those kind of decisions i think a guy like flores is going to be really interesting to see what kind of decisions kevin you know makes the same or what he changes up as a head coach, just being able to, you know, talk shop with him a little bit to see how he would handle some of those things. And Kevin's his own guy. He's the ultimately at the end of the day, he's the one that has to answer for whatever happens on that field. But I think having a guy like Flores, not only for kind of uh, personnel decisions, but I think being able to lean on him as a head coach as well is going to be interesting to see if there's any kind of noticeable changes uh, in how Kevin handles his his coaching day to day. I agree. And I also think like I think about some of the younger coaches on the staff, guys like Matt Daniels, guys like I don't know, I can I can name a, a bunch of like Wes even Phillips, um, like just what they can learn from a guy like Brian and what what Brian can learn from them. I I just think I don't know. There's always to me a pretty <laughs> unseen thing of of the lessons that these guys share with each other, and I think oftentimes like as a writer, my job like you hear it years down the road of like I remember when that person told me this. You don't really see it every day but these guys get to live it and so um you probably can't put a a value or a projection on what these guys can do for each other yeah i do think it's almost like a year to the day not day but like week that they announced kevin o'connell well, it was the day yeah it was Wasn't you know it? it was day after the super bowl right so it was Wasn't some, the day- it was he went through the parade and then literally hopped the plane the night of the parade after the parade was done and showed up the next day yeah. so I know that it's crazy to think that because I I remember when they got here, one of their first things was we're all packing up and going to the combine and like we've got <laughs> yeah. we've got the next set of business. And so, you know, um, when I talked to Flores about that, I was like, yeah, you know, have, see you at the combine, have fun. <laughs> like, you know, this is going to be exciting. And so I think um, I think obviously that's what's next. He's such a great evaluator of talent. I'm really excited to see what he can add to that team that's going there. Um, Alec, you are making your first trek to the NFL combine, <laughs> the the place where all the deals get made and, and the relationships get forged. Uh, what are you most looking forward about it? Um, It's a great question. I'm not sure. You don't know I'm... what to expect, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm just, I mean, I'm looking forward to meeting as many, like meeting people and talking to people and having real conversations with different types of people. I mean, that's what I think, like, 
it's funny when I, I covered baseball in Kansas City for three years and like early on it was like you're just trying to get your footing. Then the next phase is kind of like you're you're trying to uh, meet people, establish relationships, develop um, contacts, that type of thing. And so I, I think being in Indianapolis where so many people will be there and it's so clustered, like from what I what I know, it's like I mean, there are like these three blocks that everyone's on. I mean, everyone's eating in these same restaurants. And so I think, I mean, obviously it'll be great for me to meet a ton of the athletic staff that I haven't, but then to be around Kwesi and Kevin um, and then just a bunch of football people who want to talk about the game and about, I don't know, writing and stuff, I, I, that's, it's what it'll, it's what'll be fun. Are you staying through all of the drills and like those days too because I mean for a lot of people it's like yeah. you hit the pressers and you're out right because like the TV rights aren't there you can't really film it you you don't really get access to the players afterwards everything is like a build-up and then it's like oh yeah forgot they are going to be competing during that week and running 40s and things like that right <laughs> yeah. yeah I think I'm staying I think until the Thursday of that week. Yeah. But yeah, the Pretty common. the evaluating of the 40-yard dash times <laughs> and the bench press and the vertical High leap. Jump or, yeah, whatever. Like I'm I am probably nerd like kind of a nerd in in terms of like what I want to learn in the game so I like the rabbit holes never in. But yeah, that'll be I, I don't know, maybe I'll just re- read Dane Brugler who does a good <laughs> job for us right. in, in terms of those evaluations. You're probably not going to get as close as the TV cameras and all the evaluation anyway, so you can sit <laughs> there and watch true. on TV on that one. But yeah, that that kind of reminds me, it's similar to the Super Bowl where there's a lot of, you know, all the other extracurricular stuff that goes on. And then as soon as like game day happens, <laughs> I was always told if you ever want to get like a celebrity autograph, just go to the airport on Sunday morning of the oh, Super nice. Bowl because then everybody's leaving already before oh, the game funny. starts. But it's but it's the a similar thing. It's almost like it's the unofficial official kickoff to the NFL season, especially the offseason. And I know for a lot of people, it's almost kind of like um, showing up at summer camp again, where you get to see everybody <laughs> you didn't see until you know since last year. Um, there's a lot of people internally that you know if there are people that have left, it's always a way to reconnect with different people that way too. So it 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 is the unofficial official kickoff of the NFL season, and I think it'll be once again the combine's always uh, you know a spectacle, and everyone loves it. And so it was like the, the Senior Bowl though. Like I got there Monday, I think, and people were already there that Sunday night. That mo- and then, like I, I was staying till Thursday or Friday, and by Thursday, I mean I think a lot of people. It was like, all right, we've had enough time out late at night. We are out of here. This is a- so uh, yeah. I, I I think it'll be I think it'll be really fun. I'm I'm excited to see the spectacle. Yeah. Um, and however. I don't know. Whatever happens, we'll see. Now, you said you covered baseball for three years and you nerd out about football. Is football like the your first love? Like you, this is what you want to be in? Yeah, without question. Yeah. So I, I, growing up in Alabama, I mean, I, it, you just hear Alabama and like there are probably a few things you think of and probably the number one. <laughs> I mean, they one. weren't, you know that they weren't bad when you were growing up at all, right? Like. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. That's, it's a hundred percent true. And I like, I mean, people ask me all the time. Like, are you an Alabama fan, Auburn fan? And I've kind of like bounced around. I'm kind of like a fair weather, and then I'm like a journalist, so you try to be objective. But like, I like Alabama. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I mean, it's funny. Like, I remember being 2005. Like, they weren't very. I mean, I think they went 10 and two that year. But I think <laughs> God, but, they were so bad. But, 10 and two. That was Mike Shula, and then I'll never forget. Yeah. Where I was when. Nick Saban was hired. I was in a friend's backyard, and then from then on, everything everything kind of changed. So it's hard not to 
respect. Like if you are, you know, a football fan and you love watching the college game, as much as I hate Alabama <laughs> yeah. with like every fiber of my being. With your LSU mug sitting on I the know. table. I yes. didn't even, this was not on purpose, Alex, sorry. <laughs> sure, okay. um, I, I have a lot of respect, obviously, for Nick Saban and what he's able to build and do year in and year out. Now, is he on the decline? Let's hope so. <laughs> Let's yeah. hope so. No, but I mean, in all seriousness, I, I get it. Like, and being from the South and like football is it. Yeah. And when you're in a state like Alabama or Louisiana or Mississippi, you don't have a professional team to root for. I mean, in Louisiana, you do the Saints, but like LSU is just as big. You know, like when you, you growing up, like you probably were like, okay, so I'm getting games on TV. I'm getting the Falcons, Titans, Titans, or the Saints. Like right. that's kind of it. Yeah. It was an NFC state, I'm sure. Although I guess you've got the Titans, that was AFC. But um, but yeah, like you, you kind of like with baseball. Like I don't root for a professional team because I didn't grow up with one, right? So yeah like your lifeblood down there no it really is and it's so i mean i grew up with it and so i've always watched college football and in the nfl and it's like when i was home my dad's like so i mean like what do you think you learn most just covering covering football beyond just being the and i was like i don't know i watch all these games on the couch my whole life and you think you know what you you think you know and you're like why aren't they running the ball here or why aren't and then you cover it and you're around it every day and you can have a five-minute conversation with the coach who could explain to you why they're not running the ball, and you'd be like, oh, all right. That's not to say they're not always – that they're always <laughs> right or whatever, but there's so much I think just the casual fan just doesn't see, which is good, which is fine. Like fans should enjoy it how they want to enjoy it. They there should, are a lot like, of layers. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's – it's. I mean, I, I was just struck by the complexity of the whole thing, um, and I've, I loved it. I mean, I, I had a heck of a time, um, really fortunate to be – like in this robe to be here. I mean, every day I walk in this building, I think like it's not this nice. And I mean, it's just not, <laughs> it's just not. So like I, I, um, and the people have been great. I mean, I mentioned the Harrison Smith thing, but I could, I could go on and on. So, um, well, good. It's, it's been a blast. Well, we're happy to have you here. For sure. This has been great. I know, um, was it Chad Graff that yeah. left to go to cover the Patriots? And you kind of took over for Chad Graff, if anyone back home remembers. Yeah. I know we had him on the podcast as well because he gave us our Patriots primer this year. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, no, you guys do wonderful work over there. If you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, I highly recommend it. A lot of in-depth writing, which I think is the point of The Athletic, right? Like to keep that alive and to, you know, if you're not getting a newspaper or whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of... I don't know. I, I, it's a lot of analysis and, and dig deep and like we're here every day. So you just try to provide the most in-depth kind of coverage. And I, I mean, also the feature stuff where it's, it's just about the people or somebody who, like I, I went down earlier this year to, um, I, did, I was doing a story on West Phillips offensive coordinator. I went down to Houston, spent a day with Wade, his dad. Um, and we talked all about like, just their family football history and um, that type of stuff. I mean, that's why. So yeah. you knew that Wade Phillip wasn't going to come here and be our new defensive coordinator. <laughs> you had that story before everyone else. I didn't else bother then. Wade. No, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't. Well, Wade, it's Wade's coaching the XFL Houston Roughnecks. Like okay, Wade has yeah. not slowed down. No. He was the day before I went there. He had a whole group of coaches at their house. They had made chili. Like, and I was like, <laughs> wait, like, and Wes said earlier this year, he's like, yeah, my dad's just never going to stop. Like, yeah. it's just, <laughs> I think that's himself. just how it is. But literally um, grown up in it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a, it's an unbelievable football family. And Wes's story, I think is kind of an embodiment of why the family has been able to span the test time. But that type of story, that type of stuff, 
that kind of goes deeper is is what we love to do, what I love to do, and yeah. fortunate that they give me the space to do it sometimes. Well, you do a great job, and we're really happy that you're here. Thanks for being on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. If I could just get one housekeeping item out of the way for your fans, we've got a group of really impressive Vikings Entertainment Network creative team. We have a great creative team here, a lot of videographers. I don't want to undersell them by just saying like videographers because they edited the whole yep. piece together, right? And um, The Voyage, which you guys may remember used to air in season in previous years, is now going to be a four-episode recap of the entire 2022 season beginning with training camp. And that drops on Tuesday. Uh, this coming up Tuesday, February 21st. We had an amazing night last night. We had a bunch of, we had two groups of season ticket members, about 300 fans total, get to come through the facility, experience the, sit in the team meeting room and watch the voyage on the screen. And um, nothing but great feedback. And um, I definitely recommend you guys checking that out. It's going to be um, longer episodes too. So it's a very in-depth, long-form piece of uh, journalism, which is wonderful. Season ticket holders, if you are one, you will get the link in your email Monday before the episodes drop on Tuesdays. They'll drop every Tuesday for the next four weeks. And then if you're not into watching things on your phone or your computer like some people aren't, you can watch it on Fox 9 Wednesdays at 1035, also beginning February 22nd. So several ways to watch The Voyage. Um, just a couple of teasers with that, though, is these guys have been following around players, coaches, miking up all the players and coaches and all that kind of stuff since training camp. And it literally opens up with like a player narrating and on his way to training camp. And there are uh, Kevin O'Connell was really uh, and Quasi have been really great about access this year. They allowed us to film their team meetings every Wednesday. And so there'll be a lot of snippets of the team meetings that no one has ever seen before. And there's just a lot of behind the scenes stuff that um, moments that you may have not known happen and in in-depth interviews with Quasi and Kevin, both preseason and after the season. So it's, it is really good. And that's the stuff that everybody loves. You oh, always yeah. want, like you were talking about before here, Alec, it's the behind the scenes that just trying to figure out how does this place really work? What is it really like behind the scenes? And, and, um, and are they really who they are from what we're watching, right? Sure. Like you hear yeah. a presser, but is Kevin really like that, right? Yeah. yeah, I think for for this group, they've they've had this kind of mapped out all season and week to week just trying to figure out, you know, how are we going to continue the story and, and to really lay it out. And, you know, with all the exciting moments that we had all season, I think it's going to be really great for fans to really see behind the scenes of what happened. Yeah, the challenge for them was trying to fit August or no, July through January into four episodes. Yep. I was gonna say how many, how much, how many <laughs> hours mean, of tape now hours. am I having to watch from this? Because I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. They've had hundreds of hours of stuff, right? Yeah. They because yeah. they did their own interviews. Plus, they reviewed pressers. Plus, they reviewed all the mic'd ups. Plus, they went to had 17 team meetings, right? Like, it's kind of a the, lot more than that. The but. Vikings version of Hard Knocks, like just yeah. all the behind the scenes access. So, I think people, people really will, um, you know eat this up as much as possible. Yeah, it does help that it was like, you know, a thrilling oh, 13 and, exactly. you know, three It was seasons, a voyage so. for sure. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, if you guys could just send me all 17 team meeting videos. Right. Be, <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, it is pretty cool though because, you know, I think you do have to be tricky because they do say <laughs> things in there you, you're not going to want to air, right? But like, it was really cool to see 
them in their seats because it's like college. You like are in your lecture hall and you pick the same seat every time. And like this precious season ticket member who was probably in his 80s and has been a Minnesota Vikings fan since its inception was like sitting in Justin Jefferson's seat. And we were like able to tell him that. And it was just kind of a neat little moment. Right. So, yeah, I heard I think I heard one of the season ticket holders that showed up last night drove double digits. Ten hours. Yeah. From Minot, South Dakota in bad weather. Minot, North Dakota. Yeah. Did I say that? South Dakota? My bad. It's all good. No. Wow, yeah. you guys are really going to clock me on that one, aren't you? <laughs> no, it's it, but Eric. It, can you edit that out? If you can't, that's okay. It's just a testament to you know our fans, just to how much they really do you know love this, and so that was great to you know have that kind of buy-in from season ticket members, and and um, I think it's just going to be a lot of fun to watch this week to week uh, as this unfolds. I love how Jay corrected me so politely, right? Like he wasn't <laughs> yeah, no. like, "Hey, you dummy." No, yeah, he was just like Dakota. slow. So so on brand for you, Jay. It really tracks. You're welcome. All right. Well, I'm going to go brush up on my geography, but thank you so much to everyone for tuning into this episode of the Minnesota Vikings podcast, Warts and All. Ooh.